You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech radio show, right from Vancouver all the way to Toronto, and of course, podcast around the world. We've got a great program today, John. Some uh, interesting stuff. Uh, later on, we'll be talking about the latest in car tech and EV news, including a, uh, a highway that's going to be made that can charge electric vehicles while they're driving on it. Can't wait for that. No kidding. <laughs> that, that will change things if they can get the, the cost down on that. But we'll, we'll be exploring that. We'll also be talking uh, about uh, smart kiosks. We've got Intel on the line to tell us uh, all about that. And we'll be talking with our good friend Peter Vogel about repairing Chromebooks. Chromebooks are very popular laptops in a lot of schools. Uh, there's talk of uh, getting students to repair the broken ones as a learning thing. As a maker, I think that's an awesome idea. I love it. I love it. But I'm just wondering, to it, what degree? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Peter's uh, done a lot of uh, homework uh, on this. Uh, we also have a great contest going, John. Uh, the TELUS Friendly Future Foundation is uh, giving us a Samsung Galaxy S20 smartphone to give away and and a $500 donation to the winner's favorite charity in Canada. That's great. I think it is amazing. And that phone, uh, it's the S20 Fan Edition. It is a beautiful phone. Like, I, I have friends that have that, and the camera is beautiful. It's fast, beautiful screen. And it's free. And it's free if you win. Go to getconnectedmedia.com to get more details. Uh, let's start with some of the tech news out there, John. This is interesting. We were in Vegas in January for the Consumer Electronics Show. One of the things that we had to try out was the new Vegas Loop under the Convention Center, which is this series of well series it's a tunnel it's a loop <laughs> yeah well it's it's a few little loops with different uh stations if you will yeah and it's not a train it's teslas yeah, for now yes because it's elon musk's company the boring company that made it so you know his grand idea is to stick a bunch of teslas down there uh they're driven by real humans they're not autonomous yet uh, but basically, you go into the station and you just walk into any of the available Teslas and they'll go on to the, the next loop or whatever loop that you want to get off at as far as... And, and the convention center, it's not just one convention center, there's a bunch, but there's new news. Yes. Well, aside from the fact that uh, we actually have some updated numbers for how many people they moved during CES. Oh, how many? Fifteen to 17,000 per day. Wow. And, you know, Keep in mind, this is basically something that would normally take you 45 minutes to walk. Yes. You can do it in two in this thing. Yes. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. So it just, it and really helps. It helps. It's fun. But it helps the flow, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the dream is that, I guess Elon Musk's dream is that we'll have these tunnels underneath major cities to help alleviate the congestion above. Yeah, and the the dream is not to be Teslas either. They're going to no. have a Hyperloop, which is basically a little pod, a little thing yeah i don't know i'm thinking like a like a monorail kind of car kind yeah. of thing that would just you know shoot you through well i have visions of you remember in austin powers yes <laughs> when he's in that little tractor yeah thing it lo kind of looks like the thing that moves your luggage around outside the airplane yes and you just get shot through the tunnel there uh so they are going to be building this onto the vegas strip where all the big hotel casinos are and so they've actually dug a hole <laughs> or a tunnel and they've uh, broke ground they've connected resorts world international which is the newest probably hotel in the we missed that when we went there no because it was just out of our our area yeah but now we can basically they've connected the vegas convention center yeah. to 
this place. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's not ready to go yet, but the thing is when they drill these tunnels, there's not a lot of after work to do because it's just literally a road. Yes. So presumably they pave it. They don't have to put tracks or anything no, in there. Or, or, I mean, I guess there's probably infrastructure in there like for lighting and things like that because yeah. it is well lit. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so the, the Hyperloop that I was talking about before, their plan is these autonomous pods will travel above 600 miles an hour, 965 kilometers per hour. I don't know if you need to do that under Vegas. Well, <laughs> your trip will be over in like a second. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love this idea, but again, it just comes down to how many people can they move? So they said about 15 to 17,000 when we were at the, yeah. the show. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but it's not a huge amount. Well, keep in mind for CES, there was 20,000 in attendance. I thought it was 40. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, 40. It was 40. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. so, so that's half. Yeah. But normally it's 180. Yes. So, but can they handle that volume? Well, that's what we're not sure. So, because once they hook this thing up to the Las Vegas Strip underground yeah. and get all the hotels hooked up to it, that's when we're going to see if this thing works or not, right? Because you've yeah. got hundreds of thousands of people daily just kind of moving around. The interesting thing, though, about using Teslas right now, though, at least, is you don't have to stop at every station like you do with a traditional like SkyTrain or, or that's Go true. Train, right? Like you just like, I'm going from Resort World to Las Vegas Convention Center West. Yeah. You skip all the other stations in between because your driver will just only let you out where you're supposed to get out. It's like an express train almost. Okay, so I'm just talking logistics now. Is that going to cause a problem uh, for stations? Let's say um, uh, the Flamingo Hotel. They, right. They've got a station there. But no one really wants to go to the, the Flamingo. They want to go down further to planet hollywood and so because you don't have to stop at the station right like i could get on at the convention center and say hey i want to go to planet hollywood and again this is just theoretical um and so what if there's no cars stopping at flamingo they seem to have an algorithm for that though because when we were talking to the drivers they were telling us that they're not allowed to wait more than 10 seconds for a pickup yeah so if no one's ready or has their um party together then they're just gonna keep going to the next station so i think I think they'll figure out a way to deal with that or they'll have sensors or something like that to know that there's some people waiting, that type of thing. But I don't, it, it's pretty exciting and it was, it was cool to see it actually running. So it actually does feel like it's, you know, coming and the future is here. Uh, let's move on to another story. Uh, we've talked about Getter. This is a social media platform for more the right wing. It's like a Twitter for... More? <laughs> for the right wing. For the right wing. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of like a Twitter for the right wing or conservatives. Well, the big thing about it was they were positioning this as the place to have open dialogue about any topic you want without censorship. Yes. But the problem is people also don't like the idea of having these conversations on Facebook because they'll get banned or yeah. Twitter because they'll get banned and all these other places that various people have been deplatformed for talking about some of these topics. Well, the problem is, is that Getter fired their complete cybersecurity team that's protecting the identity of the people using these platforms. Yes. And they didn't replace them. Maybe they have some software that did. Sure. <laughs> well, what, what does that say to you? Is that <laughs> it's, It says to me that either there's A, not enough people on the platform to justify the expense. Yeah. Or... Um, they don't care about your privacy and your security about talking about this stuff. This is the same type of thing that was a problem during the January 6th insurrection where everyone was using a social media platform to 
share where they are, post videos, and their GPS location was tracked. Well, right now, there's nothing stopping hackers from getting in and getting all that information from Getter. I don't know if they have, but if there's no... Do you think it's a money thing, John? Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of bizarre that, especially with these types of platforms, especially ones that would are touting security and... Privacy. Fr- privacy and freedom of speech. And you don't have a security, cybersecurity team. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sign up for Getter today. <laughs> what could go wrong? Uh, Starlink. We've uh, talked a lot about uh, Elon Musk's other company. Jeez, it's all like Elon Musk companies now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a company, Starlink, uh, using his SpaceX company to launch these satellites into orbit to give high-speed internet around the world without having to use fiber optics or anything. You just basically get your internet from space. And this is great for a lot of uh, rural communities where they just don't have good internet access. You know, like places like Hornby Island, Demon Island, you know, Gulf Islands. Anywhere that you can't run a wire, basically. Exactly. Easily. Well, it uh, looks like they, they're continually launching these satellites up there. And I guess one of the latest launches... Um, 40 of the 49 Starlink satellites that launched uh, February 3rd were destroyed because of a geomagnetic storm. Yeah, they weren't able to reach maximum altitude yeah. to get into orbit. And, you know, that's that's pretty big when most of the things that you just launched an entire rocket for aren't going to survive. Yes. So they're going to burn up in the burn up in the atmosphere and this is going to delay them an extra launch. Want a chance to win a Samsung Galaxy S20 Fan Edition smartphone and a gift certificate for a $500 donation to your favorite charity in Canada? Well, we're giving uh, all that away up on our website. Uh, TELUS has been uh, gracious in donating that, their friendly future foundation. GetConnectedMedia.com. And there's more chances to get extra entries into that. Again, GetConnectedMedia.com. When we come back from the break, having students repair the broken laptops that they use in school? Is that a thing? Well, we'll find out. we got Peter Vogel coming up. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. We're going to talk Chromebooks now. And for those who don't know what a Chromebook is, it's basically uh, a laptop uh, running a Google's Chrome operating system. Very popular in education in schools because uh, they're very cost-effective. They're affordable. Uh, they don't typically have the same amount of power like a full-fledged like macbook or windows laptop laptop would have but they do pretty well most of the same stuff yeah they're also great uh sort of upgrades or replacements for maybe uh, an older family member that doesn't want to mess around with stuff and they just want to get on the internet and they're not installing apps they're not playing games they're just doing stuff in a browser well uh, apparently down in the u.s uh, there's a, a program brewing that would allow students to repair broken Chromebooks in schools, which I think is fascinating. To, to learn a little bit more, we've got our good friend Peter Vogel uh, here out of Vancouver. He's uh, uh, a school teacher, a uh, physics school teacher, and, and now just an overall tech expert. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. So uh, I know you're really into the uh, the Google Chromebooks, uh, and uh, what did you think of this this program where students could actually repair broken Chromebooks in the schools? Right. Uh, well, a fascinating uh, development. Uh, I've been with the Chromebook space since 2012. Uh, my school was the first to deploy them in Canada. And uh, yeah, when they came out, uh, typical uh, EOL or end of life was three years. They've now raised this to eight or nine years for current models. And 
we know that tens of millions have been sold, uh, particularly in the United States, into the school sector. So there's no shortage of broken Chromebooks uh, with uh, kids carrying them back and forth from home to school and virtual uh, schooling. This uh, repair program was out of the blue, uh, but apparently uh, Google was piggybacking it on uh, some schools that had already started this on their own. And so Google has formalized this Chromebook repair program, shall we say. I find this interesting. Uh, how difficult is it, in your opinion, to actually repair these? Like, would students have the, the know-how to do this? Right. So what Google has set up here is a training uh um, procedure, shall we say, uh, online videos and so forth, uh, breakout manuals. The, the companies are providing the full repair um, diagram uh, PDFs, shall we say. Uh, all that's needed is the tools. So what Google has essentially put in place is a procedure for schools to line up the, the simple toolkits, the shims, the screwdrivers, that kind of thing the spare parts and uh, essentially a, a school district negotiates or works that out with a uh, uh, a provider in the states in the rollout uh, this week google specifically named acer and uh, lenovo so the others are yet to come on board the asus and hp and, and others in that space so i guess on one hand um I think this is a cool idea. Like this would be a great educational opportunity for students, but what if they mess things up? Like, <laughs> well, it's already broken. Yeah. Well, I guess they can't break it anymore. <laughs> well, it's, it's a learning opportunity. Yes. But what if they right. permanently damage it? <laughs> right. So in the, uh, the Jenks public school uh, case study that uh, Google rolled out with its announcement, uh, they made a big deal of, uh, students being able to uh, turn around typical Chromebook repairs in 10 minutes or so for a keyboard swap, uh, a screen swap. So the students are very well trained uh, and um, the program is also designed so that students uh, develop expertise in a variety of repair areas. So they, they keep a, a technology repair board, shall we say. And they also rotate the students through the, the, the customer service front uh, end. So it's a, a nice training package for students. It's kind of like an in-house geek squad for the school system. In-house geek squad, very much so, yeah. Um, not sure how transportable all that would be to a jurisdiction where you have, say, unions involved. Uh, you know, typically uh, repair and technology management is is carried out by uh, district uh, unionized personnel. Um, that said, uh, Acer Canada says that uh, it is ready for a program of this nature here. It is an interesting question when you bring up the unions, uh, you know, if there's any issue with that, because then, you know, you could get the kids fitch- fixing the HVAC systems. and <laughs> <laughs> Painting the school. Painting. Yeah, we've got this new intern painting program. <laughs> no, but I, I love the idea. But, you, I mean, you, you bring up some good questions there, uh, Peter. Like, I, I love the fact that they could learn, like, some really, you know, real-world uh, skills here. Uh, obviously, yes. for Google and these other manufacturers, this is probably a good thing as well. It kind of helps the whole service side for them as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's it's great on on all fronts. Uh, students learn uh, in the case study case. Uh, Twenty seven kids actually became a class, and so it became a structured class part of the curriculum. Uh, and uh, the, the students 
typically worked eight to four, or they maybe worked in shifts. Um, and uh, by all accounts, it was extremely well received. And uh, yeah, who doesn't like a 10 minute turnaround on a repair? Where can you get that? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> we're talking Nowhere. with Pete, we're talking with Peter Vogel all about uh, a, a fun, uh, cool program that they're rolling out in the states to uh, some schools and school districts where students can actually fix uh, their Chromebook uh, laptops right uh, in the schools themselves. Peter, as always, uh, thank you for joining us. I know we still haven't seen this in Canada, but uh, when we get more news, we'll get you back on the program. Thanks for having me. Want a chance to win a Samsung Galaxy S20 Fan Edition smartphone and a gift certificate for a $500 donation to your favorite charity in Canada? Well, we're giving uh, all that away up on our website. Uh, TELUS has been uh, gracious in donating that, their friendly future foundation. GetConnectedMedia.com. And there's more chances to get extra entries into that. Again, GetConnectedMedia.com. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Uh, Always fascinating to look at uh, technology, especially when it comes to things like the pandemic and how things have changed uh, quite quickly to adapt to the challenges that we have. Yes, there's all kinds of things that would never happen this quickly if it wasn't for the pandemic. Yes, so technology is helping us touch things less, (laughs) which I know sounds really weird. Like if I said that a few years ago, uh, people would think I'm a weirdo, but we've uh, got a great guest on the line. His name is uh, Denis Gaudreau. He is from Intel, the country manager here in Canada. Thanks for joining us, Denis. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So I wanted to get you on the program. You uh, you guys have partnered uh, with a, uh, a company uh, out of uh, Europe uh, on some cool kiosk technology. And so if I can describe this properly, and after you can probably correct me, Denis, um, you know, when you go into a McDonald's now, right, you can go to the cashier or you can go to those big touchscreen. Yes. They look like giant iPads. Basically, yeah. Yes. And then you can, you know, pick all your stuff. Well, uh, Denny, you, you guys have partnered uh, with this company uh, with a technology called AirTouch, where you have these big screens, but people don't have to physically touch the screen to enter their order. Correct. You're absolutely right. So... A little bit like you mentioned at the beginning, right? Before the pandemic, so it was a, uh, most people were not that concerned by touching, right? The screen to other and everything. And with the pandemic, things change a lot. So we partnered with Inui uh, a couple of years ago, kind of to uh, work with them and, and to help them to develop that technology so that they call air touch. So basically you have that smart kiosk where you can go other and you don't have to touch the screen at all. So it's, uh, Basically, uh, the, the kiosk will detect, so your hands and fingers about nine centimeters from the screen. So, and it will start to interact. So when you're about five centimeters, it's highly precise. So like by three millimeters, so precision. So basically you can do everything that you used to do by clicking. So switching page, scrolling, or just by gesture, right? So it's super efficient and open up also to many other things that were not possible before. Like if you just do, I don't know, you go around with your fingers, maybe you can uh, enable a promo that they add, right? That they promote on the social media or something like that. So it's, it's super interesting. So like kind of fix or solve the uh, the concern of people have with the pandemic of touching things and it kind of uh, enable a new era, right? Of uh, interfacing with the uh, the human with the machine. So I like that idea. You, you brought up, you know, doing a little circle with your fingers. Like you could do some really cool like TikTok promotions, you know, like secret menu items or- Je- uh, Gesture-based coupons. Yeah. Like, you know, you get some extra money off or you can only access like these special cheeseburgers by- 
rotating your finger around a few times. Yeah. Right, so are we actually seeing these things being used yet? So basically what we did with them is the first, I would say, a buck, right? So a, a proof of concept. So it's the first in North America. So it's happening in Quebec, in Montreal with the Saint-Hubert, so the restaurant. So, and they're, uh, they have two, uh, four kiosks. So in two locations, one in Laval, one in Montreal. So it's going very well. So it's very intuitive for people that you don't have to, you just, you realize it's a touch and when people start to touch and you realize, okay, I don't need to touch it. And then people just go with it, right? So, and and if that go well, so which is uh, look, looking that way, uh, so so they're gonna do a, a bigger deployment, right? So, and that's where we are right now from the uh, deployment point of view with them. And, and uh, we were, yeah, we're super happy to partner with them because they are leveraging what we call our Intel NOC, which is like a super small server. Like it's about, I would say probably 10, by 10 centimeters by I would say four centimeter thick and it's a full-fledged servers with that dual NIC high-end graphics it's, it's built for those kind of kiosks so highly rigidized and that's kind of the uh, the heart of the brain of that all that kiosk so that's what behind that that machine I would say well those are powerful computers I actually use an Intel NUC as my my work computer at home and it is surprisingly powerful, and I love the size of it. So I can see how that would work well inside the kiosk. So, but how is it working? Like, uh, is the sensor like to detect the finger in the screen? Are there cameras figuring out where it is in time and space? I won't go in details on their own uh, recipe and 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 and, and uh, we we'll secret sauce that they have, but it's, <laughs> a, it's a mix of it's a mix of sensors and cameras. Okay. So that are kind of detecting a little bit everything that you do, right? And, and a lot of it, as you know, it's with AI, artificial intelligence, and with all the software that's built in that really can detect because whatever you have, uh, gloves or not, just your bare hands or a glove is still work, right? So. Like we, like I said, we tried in Sensibird and it was like super cold. People were wearing gloves and still worked very well. So that's the beauty of it. So I got to ask a question here because John and I were talking this, about this before uh, you know we got you on. Uh, how many people still touch the screen? Because I mean, we're also used to just like touching that glass. Like how long does it take for people to figure out, hey, I can just kind of air touch it? Yeah, it's pretty quick. So people kind of touch it, but what, what what we have seen is when they kind of move their finger close to the screen to go touch and they see the kiosk already reacting, yeah. they, they react like, okay, I, don't, I even touch it and it's responding. So people realize right away, right? So yeah, so it's, uh, you, you yeah, peop, I would say if it was a couple of years ago when touch was not there, it would have been a super long to that people get too used to it but now we're so used to touch everything because i mean we all have seen people touching screen at the airport that are not touch screen right so say, yeah it's not, so we're so used so ingrained in us so the reflex people go they start to touch and like i said so nine similar the, the screen already start to react and when you're at five you can interact with it so so basically react even before you touch it and people realize super quickly Talking with Denny Gaudreau, uh, he's the Intel country manager here in Canada, but a partnership they uh, have uh, done that's bringing uh, AirTouch technology to uh, big ordering screens. And I guess you can pretty well put that on uh, any screen going forward. But I love that uh, uh, technology born out of the pandemic here that uh, just makes it a little cleaner and safer for us to interact with technology. Denny, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, anytime, guys. Okay. Thank you. Don't forget to enter our contest. Get connectedmedia.com giving away a Samsung Galaxy S20 
Fan Edition smartphone and a $500 gift card for your favorite charity in Canada. And that's from our friends at TELUS at the Friendly Future Foundation. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Time to talk car tech. And I love this, John. I love just how technology just kind of infuses itself into everything. Yes. Yeah. So uh, something that we talked about off the top of the program, uh, there's a, a cool company building a one-mile test track or road in Detroit that would allow EVs to actually charge while they're driving over it. It, it reminds me of like, do you remember Super Nintendo? Yes. F1 Racer, F10. Yes. When you're riding around the track, you, you get, get power-ups. Yeah. By just hovering over the right spot. Of course, the cars have to be built to handle this, yes. right? But I love that idea. Like if they could, and I don't know what the cost would be on this. It's not cheap, I don't think. But um, if, if it would allow cars to charge while they're driving, I mean, that would just help alleviate some of the infrastructure issues that, you know, we're going to have over the next five, 10 years as EVs become more popular. Well, it, uh, it, we don't really know what kind of technology this specifically is because they kind of been keeping it kind of close to their vest. But, um, you know, you could imagine a road, not unlike, you know, trains that have an electrified rail. Yeah. It's just one extra thing that they put down when they're paving that essentially adds a chi charger to the whole stretch of road. Yeah. So, so it'd be wirelessly sending that electricity into the, the car battery. So it's probably not going to be doing level three charging. No, but... But still being topped up as you're going? Yeah. If you built this into the main freeways and the main kind of roads. Where your commute is basically free as far as uh, the energy that you consume versus yeah. what you put back in the vehicle. Yeah. That that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I've, you know, this technology has come up a, a number of times over the years, but uh, I'm glad to see that they're really trying this out now and trying to get it to work. Uh, another interesting story that we're following, car companies. Obviously, they're always trying to find more ways to make money. And typically that's been through selling more cars or servicing them. But that's servicing is not going to be as big an issue with EVs, right? No, no. D- definitely not. But the other thing too is like when you buy your car, generally with EVs, there's not a lot of trim levels. No. Compared to a, a typical vehicle because you'll have like a base model all the way up to the premium luxurious model, right? Most of the EVs that I've seen have maybe one or two variants, sort of like a high end and a sort of... M- Medium high end? Yes. There's yeah. no real low end? No, not yet. Because they don't need to build those yet. No. No. Because they can make more money on the higher end ones. Right. Uh, but so there's apparently a really big growing market into the billions of dollars for selling add-on features. So for example, in my Tesla, I, I have uh, heated seats in the front. And I didn't know this because, you know, I've, I've never had a car that had heated back seats. But the Tesla that I have, the Model 3... I can upgrade to that in the car. It's just a software update? Yeah, I just go into my, you know, my big screen and say, add this and it'll charge my credit card $400. <laughs> so basically the rule of thumb is when you're riding with Mike, ride in the front. Yeah, and it's funny because my daughter asked, hey, do, you know, do Teslas have heated seats in the back? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> So I hope she's not listening to this uh, this show. But I mean, there's other features too. Uh, you know, car companies selling like an eight dollar a month subscription to be able to remotely start your car. Well, that's a big thing that we've seen a lot lately with later model vehicles. Um, recently, is they all have apps now for doing all kinds of different things. Yeah. You know, you remember OnStar back in the day? That was the main way that people could use 
sort of a remote control technology to unlock their car because they left their keys in and that kind of stuff. But now most manufacturers actually have a companion app to go with their car to get things like your mileage data, your uh, you know remote start, maybe even climate control changes. And that's not even an EV. I mean, that's sort of stock with my EV and I think with yours as well. But um, but yeah, these little add-on features that really are pretty easy for them to do. The, the big thing is your your car now really is a full computer with with a modem and yeah. internet access so it can communicate with a server and with these apps and your phone and you know it's it's kind of cool but also like most technology it's got its downsides well number one i hate the fact that they're just grinding you out for more money after the fact like i just want to pay to be able to remotely unlock my yeah my doors like why am i paying for that yeah in a subscription fee but that's the way it's going so the down yeah the downsides it's a computer now john yeah. What happens to computers? <laughs> Stuff. Hacks. Have you turned it off and back on again? <laughs> but I've had to do that with my Tesla. Like my but, screen didn't work one yeah. day and I just, I'm doing everything and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to reboot my car. <laughs> <laughs> and that did it. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, right? Well, that's the world we live in now. Yeah. But I mean, we've, we're reading about this, like uh, hackers getting into cars, being able to access information and uh, gain control of some of the functions. So, I'm I'm a little concerned. Well, you should be because just like your computer, people have the ability to sort of find exploits and holes and and lax security measures that were installed. The scary part is though is this is something you drive, not something you sit in front of. No, exactly. The huge safety issues uh, for me. Uh, Tesla working on their own app store again, another way for them to generate revenue. Yeah concerned again about the <laughs> security well, of that well, well it, make, it makes sense because tesla is one of the few companies that hasn't adopted carplay or android auto yeah so they want to be more in control and offer other things again that they can sell to you um which i think is interesting but yeah i just wonder I, I, you know what i think it'll spur innovation right yeah it'll make my car even more exciting i bet a lot of it will be games i don't i it's cool that they have games built into my car that i can play when i'm parked we, we but tell, I don't tell people that don't have an electric vehicle why you might have games in your car. Well, if I'm going to a charger, right, and you have to sit there for twenty minutes or half an hour, yeah, and so I can watch Netflix or I can play solitaire or um, all sorts of different games. I've got a whole bunch of games into it now, but it's yeah. not like I'm playing those things all the time, right? No, I'm not going to go out to my car at night and like I'm going to go play solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of weirdo am I, right? Well, if they had Age of Empires, though, you might. Oh, that's my favorite game, John. I know. I just can't get enough of that. Uh, what else we have in the car world here? Well, one of the things that I found is this, this, there's this new simulator for autonomous vehicles. So right now, a lot of companies that are making autonomous vehicles or vehicles that are capable of self-driving, they have to do real world tests to see and basically train their software to understand how the world works, what kind of anomalies and edge cases are out there that, um, when it's driving along, a stroller comes out in front of it, how does it deal with it, right? Sheep. Sheep are crossing the highway. <laughs> Whatever, right? Yeah. And so typically that means them logging millions of miles on actual highways with a vehicle that has a human driver behind it, but technically the car is driving itself. So a company uh, has formed uh, with one of the uh, world-famous computer scientists, Rachel 
Ertason, I think is how I pronounce her last name. She's created a simulator for autonomous vehicle companies to run simulations with their vehicles and train their AI. Yeah. So this is going to make things much better and faster and cheaper for them to get the software to a point where it actually does work the way we want it to. There's a whole bunch of other regulatory issues and things like that that still have to be sorted before you know we're going to have these things. But it's just really interesting that it's big enough of an industry that this company is available to rent out artificial intelligence time in a simulation yeah. for autonomous vehicle manufacturers. Well, you know, it's so interesting, like, cars and they're all run by computers just need all that information uh, mobile eye which is intel's um autonomous vehicle driving division which is being spun off into its own company they have fleets of cars and trucks not necessarily evs no that just have cameras on them just getting information about the roads they're driving yeah. through all all the time because you know conditions change maybe a tree branch falls down maybe there's new bushes here on the side that block uh the view when you're turning on a corner so uh, you know, in the future, all of our cars will be data collection points. I mean, that'll be built into the user agreement when you buy the car. Like, yeah. That the cameras are always going and that they get to use that information to make their software better. My car has autonomous braking. And when we had that snowstorm a little while ago, yeah, I actually got a warning on my screen saying autonomous braking is disabled because the my radar sensor was blocked by a buildup of snow on the front of my car. Crazy. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll tell you more about the contest where you can win a Samsung Galaxy S20 Fan Edition phone. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here giving away some cool prizes uh, this week. And it's from our uh, friends at the Friendly Future Foundation over at TELUS giving away a Galaxy S20 Fan Edition smartphone and a $500 gift card to your favorite charity in Canada. Amazing. It's a great prize. Yeah. Uh, so not only do you get something cool for yourself, but you also get to give back. And it's in your name. Yes, even better. So you want to know how to win? Go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, which is a great website because we've got tons of videos up there, our podcasts for this show and our sister show, The App Show, which you should listen to as well, and the contest entry page. And the cool thing is you can get extra entries by doing fun things, like following us on Twitter. And they're easy things. Very easy things. So do those things, get more entries, more chances uh, to win the prize, which is never uh, a bad thing. Again, getconnectedmedia.com is the place to go. And uh, listen to our sister show again, App Show. We've got some uh, great stuff coming up on uh, that program uh, this week. We'll be talking all about the new Samsung Galaxy phones that have been announced. Uh, some really cool tech. I want to thank John, who helps put the show together. It's a producer and co-host. We'll see you again next time.